0: Hey, everybody. I'm Daryl Cagle, and this is the Kegelcast, where we're all about editorial cartoons, and we've got three very great, very conservative cartoonists. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Daryl. Michael Ramirez is a two-time Pulitzer winner and a good old friend of mine for many years. His work is syndicated to hundreds of newspapers by another syndicate than ours, and he's the full-time cartoonist for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, which is an excellent cartoon-friendly newspaper. And Michael has won ton of awards. His work is brilliant, as you will see here, and it's great to have you here, Michael.
1: Well, thank you. It's uh, I'm honored to be here with the two outstanding cartoonists as well. And well, I should say three, since Daryl, of course, does cartoons as well. Michael, here's a couple of examples of
0: yours. You've got Hunter in Biden's house, and he's uh, in his underwear, and he says, hey, Dad, have you seen my laptop? And Biden says, no, have you seen my confidential files? This is hilarious, and I think that it kind of brings up one of the things that I have as a liberal looking at the conservative cartoons, because so much of the Hunter Biden stuff is uh, Biden crime family, very uh, harsh accusations of criminality. Whereas I think liberals like me kind of look at Hunter as a doofus loser figure, as you have portrayed him here, and uh, not so much of a mafia figure.
1: You know, he's kind of He's kind of a conglomeration of both. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's $20 million of money floating out there from foreign capital, and, and uh, we don't know exactly how it's been distributed. And I know Hunter's a fantastic artist, but really, is anyone... That's... Terry, what was the last uh, time you painting to the amounts that he's getting to people that are remaining anonymous?
2: I told my son to forget college. I'm going to take all of his college fund. Now. I'm trying to save up to buy a Hunter painting.
1: In <laughs> fact, there was that story about legal bills, and I was thinking, what is that? Like ten paintings or something? Um, if you look in the foreground of that cartoon, I don't know if you could see it, but there's—I always put little uh, Easter eggs within the cartoon itself. In the foreground, there's the um, cereal that's labeled flakes. Yes, Hunter is a flake, but he's a well-paid flake. And while this kind of thing has been going on in history for generations and generations, Neil Bush. Don Nixon, and you could go to Hugh Rodham. Billy Carter was not an expert in Libya. And you could you could use your family familial connections to make money. But at this point, it's not illegal. But if you don't pay taxes on it, or if you're not registered as a foreign agent, and you're doing the work of foreign entities, those are illegal. I think these things need to be looked into. Well,
0: it seems like the main charge against him is having a, a gun and lying on the application to get the gun. How do you feel about that?
1: Well, that is against the law, and I think it's kind of ironic that you have a president here who yells and screams anytime there's an offense with a gun, that we have to have more stricter accountability with guns, except for his son. He seems to be leaving. That him. is interesting I, irony, but I, I also I expect
0: think, conservatives to be more forgiving of gun kind of issues.
1: Well, no, I, I think I think uh, obviously one right of conservatism is responsibility for your individual mm-hmm. action, mm-hmm. and well, I do think. Maybe there's perhaps an overzealous pursuit in some of these items. He is getting a pretty hefty fine, but had he just reckoned with it and dealt with the deal that he got, he would have been pretty well on. I think the consequences of what's being charged against Nell are because of his own indecision, hoping that they would wrap the entire thing in an envelope of immunity. And that wouldn't happen for any individual in the country, regardless of who they are. Well, he's a loser and
0: a drug addict and an albatross around dad's neck.
1: And also interesting here, Daryl, is that nobody mentions that there's more than one gun involved here. I mean, there's the gun that his brother's wife uh, inconveniently disposed in the trash bin. But there's also the gun that he was swatting around while he was taking drugs in the photographs on his laptop.
2: You know, Daryl, I'm, as a gun owner, when any gun I've had to purchase, I've had to fill out all the same paperwork, background FBI paperwork that Hunter Biden filled out. So I take it dead seriously. Everything on there, I had to answer correctly, and I would never dream of lying or I would expect to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. So I don't think conservative gun owners look at Hunter Biden with sympathy. We look at it as ardent hypocrisy, like Mike. My- Said, you know, his his father has railed against gun owners throughout his whole life and vilified us, and here his son violates a federal law on a gun applications. And so well, far.
0: perhaps he was in a drug stupor when he filled out the application.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. I, I think he was in a drug stupor when he did. And, and look, it's just about accountability. Don't nobody wants to get him because he's Hunter Biden. They would find the money trail. Look, there, to Biden. There, there are plenty of things to get Biden. You know. They have nothing to do with Hunter whatsoever. That's that's sort of been my position in my cartoons. Well, but I'm just introducing
0: no cl- you guys here, and we're we're spending all the time on the first cartoon. This is another wonderful Biden cartoon, Michael. You know, we see so many cartoons with the, traipsing the mud around. You know, mud is a, a standard thing in cartoons. But you make this funny by really going to town on all the mud. And I think it's a wonderful cartoon. You've got the Oval Office all traipsed and, and footprints and handprints of mud. And uh, aid is saying to Biden, I see Hunter Biden came by.
1: That's just hilarious. You know, the amazing thing about it is it's not even exaggerated, but <laughs> <laughs> that, whatever Hunter goes anywhere, you know, it, it's funny because when you look at the de- plea deal that he put together, you could tell by the rejection of that plea deal while his father is waiting for re-election that Hunter only cares about himself. And he doesn't have any allowance for what his father's going to whatsoever.
0: It doesn't seem like he made that decision in his own best interest either. That just seems to be stupid.
1: It was a bad decision. And part, well, part of it, though, when you look at it in the context of time, was because he knew there were other charges coming along and he had he hoped that this deal would insulate him from all charges. And uh, it, was a, it was a bad decision on his part, and his lawyers as well, not to take that plea deal.
0: It was. Okay, our next cartoonist is Rivers. Rivers is our anonymous, brilliant, conservative cartoonist here at Kegel Cartoons, and I can tell you that he has also won a ton of awards in his previous cartoonist's life, which shall not be named. He was quite an award winner, and he's a good-looking fellow under the mask. Thank
3: you, Daryl. I don't know how to <laughs> I don't know how to follow up with that, but... Uh... <laughs> All
0: right. So here you've got Naked Hunter. And you know, the naked pictures are, are really pretty funny. And I, I think it's kind of a cool cartoon thing that Hunter is just portrayed naked now. It's his nature. And Biden is covering up his private parts saying, "eyes eyes up here. That's funny that he's just acting in, in his cartoon character.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it was a fun cartoon. And it's very simple in its implementation, but that gets the message across.
0: Here's another uh, Naked Hunter cartoon from Urivers. Reports suggest Hunter listed his father's house as his place of residence, and he's talking to his girlfriend, saying, Come on, baby, put down my dad's top-secret stuff and blow a joint with me. Yes,
3: her uh, arm conveniently placed but yeah, it was it was kind of shocking when that uh, when those news reports first came out. You know, the things that they were trying to get Trump on uh, seems that, that Joe was even more guilty in a lot of ways because he wasn't president at the time. A lot of those files probably needed to be in a skiff, and uh, here they are in his his garage. So,
2: Hey Rivers, if I send you five bucks later, could you send me a copy of this cartoon with their arm lower?
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> Okay, so Gary McCoy is a brilliant conservative, and he's won a ton of awards, too, including 10 Silver Rubens from the National Cartoonist Society. He's also a prolific magazine cartoonist, and he draws two syndicated newspaper comic strips, The Duplex and The Flying McCoy Brothers, which is a crazy amount of work. Uh, But you are overall
2: crazy, Gary. (laughs) I'm your knuckle-dragging conservative, Daryl. Oh, we've got, we've got three knuckle-dragging conservatives so today. There you go. It's very content. unusual for
0: us. So here you've got a husband talking to a wife, and he's on the phone, and somebody on the phone is saying, so we replaced the fuel filter and installed a new fan belt, but before I give you a total cost, I'd like to put my dad on the phone to say hi. And dad says, howdy. And the guy says, I blame Hunter Biden for this. That is what Hunter does. He puts dad on to say hi when he has business calls.
2: Yeah, that, that's just, it's so funny how they uh, tried to explain that away that, well, you know, he's just being a nice old guy, just getting on the phone and he happens to be around at all these, you know, accessible at all these crucial business meetings to jump on and extend his friendliness.
0: But, well, that's really all he needed was to jump on and say hi. Yeah. Here's another Hunter from you. Uh, you got the guy sitting at the counter at the diner. First guy says, Hunter Biden won't even acknowledge that his little girl's his. How do you think that makes her feel? Other guy says, probably thrilled as he looks at the newspaper
2: saying, Hunter Biden, hookers, drugs, grift, gun form, lies, corrupt business. Yeah. Can we just put my cartoon up for a second and go back to Rivers and Mike's cartoons? Because I like watching looking at there so much more. But well, we're gonna go through a whole
0: bunch of Michael first, then we'll do Rivers, and we'll do you. So, Michael, you do lots of movie parodies, and I have noticed in our stats that movie parodies are like the most popular editorial cartoons ever. That's right. Uh, the editors you know, you know, love them. The readers you, love them. Think,
1: well, when you think about political cartoons, um, they have to—the audience has to relate to. Them. We're not—you know—I'm not just trying to offend people or contradict their political points. I'm trying to persuade them. If you can use iconic images that they can relate to, if they're more relatable, I think you can reach them. In this case, with this cartoon, um, The Birds, you get uh, the Inflation Reduction Act basically should have been called the IRS Act. It added 87,000 new IRS agents as enforcers to try to to get more of our money from the government. So I thought it, it immediately came to mind, this image of having the IRS bird logo it around our heads, chasing us down to get every penny that the government thinks they deserve. Now, one thing as a classical constitutional conservative, I need to remind people that the government works for them and that this money is actually ours and that we contribute that money so that they can provide services on a federal plane. I think the problem with the Biden administration progressives, they seem to think it's a contrary idea.
0: I think this is a great cartoon, and the IRS is certainly a threat hanging over our heads. And, although you have to
1: be careful. I remember when I won my second Pulitzer, Bill Clinton actually sent me a congr- uh, he was nice enough to send me a con- congratulatory note. And so I gathered all my Clinton cartoons, and I wrote him a little note back that said, "Thank you. I couldn't have done it without you." Which I, I thought it was funny at the time until I got audited three months later. <laughs> wow, really? I don't I don't know if the, the things were related, but you know, fortunately I've got a great account. So. <laughs> <Hang on. laughs>
0: Here's another movie cartoon from you. You've got Independence Day shooting its beam down on the White House, and the uh, aliens are binomics, and it's Independence Day coming November 2024. This looks great. That is great. You know, economics is, um, is going to be his doom, I guess, because uh, people are unhappy with the economy. No matter how much he claims it's good.
1: Well, rightfully so. I mean, when you go to the grocery store, if you go to the gas station, you'll know that the you know the price that we're paying for any kind of commodities. Our groceries is ridiculous. This was, though, the interesting thing about this cartoon was I had just started doing the Tuesday cartoons for the Washington Post because they wanted to have a conservative voice on the page. And when this cartoon came out, which was on July 4th, thus Independence Day, we actually had Democrat members of the Congress protesting, having a contrary opinion on the editorial page.
0: Wow. Most newspapers are rural and suburban newspapers. They tend to be small and have... A- a conservative audience. So uh, contrary to what some people scream, most newspapers are conservative. And I have certainly noted that conservative papers lean more to not doing the left and right, but rather more just the right rather than the liberal papers well, let, that let like me, to have both left and right.
1: Yeah, well, that may be true, but let me disagree about the what should be the objective content of newspapers. And the reason why the perception is that it's very liberal because it's dominated by the liberal media organizations, like Michael Walsh's. Writing a great book about that right now, but I'm going to be doing a
0: cover. Well, book. it depends on what it is. If it's small well, no, newspapers we're... or talk radio, it's not dominated by the liberals.
1: Well, I mean, but talk radio, I think, is a different animal altogether. We're talking about news. Well, small and newspapers the reason, the are a different why...
0: animal than the big media companies.
1: Well, no, although the, they're the owned by chains. The big media companies do dominate because they control most of the organs that, that distribute the news for like the AP, New York Times syndication. So they don't have huge staffs to be able to cover these broader events. So they're they're covered by little organization. And unfortunately, rather than giving an objective view, they have kind of a political agenda behind what they're doing. I think that's why we're having an erosion in the credibility of, of the news and newspaper and why people are trusting the media almost uh, as little as politicians.
0: Well, I would also argue what we're seeing with newspapers is that both the left and the right newspapers are tending to print the same cartoons now, which are the opinionless cartoons that are little gag jokes. There had been a time where we saw a real distinction between liberal and conservative cartoons by what the position of the paper is, and I think that's pretty much gone now. Uh, yeah, I Everything think that's, is uh, I just think
1: that's, sweet. That's, it is unfortunate. I think it's mm-hmm. unfortunate because, you know, I, I'm kind of the old school journalist. I'm I'm the old farts group here. But I believe in the journalistic intent of you know, political cartoons, that they should be substantive.
0: Well, I'm afraid we're losing that. Uh, the substance is what we're losing first. And then once, when, once we turn into gag cartoonists, there's no difference between us and magazines and greeting cards. And that's how I fear our profession is going to sink.
1: Now, I've got to come from the point of view that I don't really look at other cartoons, so I don't, I don't know what's really going out there. But I can tell you this, I've never pulled a punch, and my circulation of my cartoons seem to be going fine.
0: Well, look at the other uh, cartoonists in the Washington Post that have regular contracts with them like you do. Half of them are very different. They are just gag cartoons that don't even relate to opinions in the news.
1: Well, again, I don't look at the other cartoons, but Ann Telnes is there, Michael DeAdder, I think the they're pretty. And they're strong, both very good.
0: Look at the other three. It's gag cartoons. They're good gag cartoons, but they disappoint me.
1: You're just disappointed because you're a capitalist pig who's hiding as a liberal, and you're just <laughs> sad you're not monetizing more cartoons. Come on, face it, Daryl. Deep down, you are a conservative. You hate to admit it.
0: Well, I a I run a person. small business, which makes me at least half conservative. <laughs> This is—you've uh, uh, got Biden and Trump as the those evil twins in The Shining, and uh, that is just hilarious and so true that we are stuck with this choice in the next election. That's a great pretty, way of portraying it as an ugly choice.
1: Pretty amazing, then, I mean, with a population of 320 billion people. This is really the best. It's terrible. I mean, when do you, you have think any comment it, on that, guys? I love the print
3: on the uh, wall. That's <laughs> great. <laughs>
1: You know, when you when you think about it, there's so much discourse about Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was probably his favorite modern president. But both of these candidates will be older than Reagan was when he left office when they mm-hmm. enter office. And it seems to me that uh that we could probably do
2: a little bit better. I agree with you, Mike. I mean, obviously we have two very old guys who are at the top right now running. I you know, I had plenty of criticism for Trump. And Daryl's heard me say this before. And again, I would rather have someone younger in office running instead of Trump. He's just so toxic. He's so tainted by all the scandal, by his personality, by everything. And the media, the liberal media, which kind of dominates the airwaves, just has a nonstop drum beat against him. But if you just look at how the world has gone to hell since Biden got in office, and I think people just, it's a stark contrast, again, I, I was originally a never trumper. I came on board when Hillary became the nominee. And then I, my cartoons have, you know, changed over to be very pro-Trump when he was in office. But my gosh, this Biden is just, you know, running the country to the ground. And the world, again, is falling apart, going to hell. And, you
0: know, Gary, I got to say, I noticed something different from your cartoons. I find remarkably few Trump cartoons from you. And I recall how most of the liberal cartoonists didn't draw Hillary cartoons and don't draw Biden cartoons from very much. And, you know, it's a big reason I wanted to have you three guys on because we've been doing all these Trump cartoons and I'd like to answer it with some Biden cartoons. But I did not see Trump cartoons from you, Gary.
2: You mean pro-Trump when he was running?
0: No, any kind of Trump cartoons. You you just go silent on him like the liberals did on Hillary and do on Biden.
3: Can I interject here? You know, I'm an old guy, too. And uh, back in the day, when Clinton was the president, I drew cartoons on Clinton. When Bush was the president, I drew cartoons on Bush. When um, Obama was the president, I drew cartoons on Obama. I did not draw cartoons on the opposition. And I think that that is a fair place to be. Who's currently in office? Biden. So why is it that most liberal cartoonists focus their cartoons on Trump? It doesn't make any sense to me.
1: And, Darrell, really, it's a byproduct of your philosophical foundation. You know, I had a a good friend of mine who was governor of Tennessee, Don Sundquist. He was a Republican governor of Tennessee. And if he did something I disagreed with, I would do a cartoon on him because it's based on issues and not personality. And Don would complain about it. And, you know, we'd have dinner and he'd say, why why do you do these cartoons? And I'd say, look, Don, if you never want me to do another cartoon on you, I promise I won't. All you have to do is call me up and check with me first to pass all the legislation that I agree with. And I'll never do it. But I, my, my, um, I'm my, i an equal opportunity offender. I, when I do Trump cartoons, people call me a rhino. That's absolutely true. I am a Republican at Demo. I'm a constitutional conservative and a free market capitalist. And, and, and I
0: do appreciate just, that you draw lots of Trump cartoons.
1: And, and if you defy the, the fundamental beliefs that you see, my problem with Trump, and Gary is right, um, in two and a half years, it has just been a disaster, this, this third Obama term. And there's no question that these policies do not work. But there are there are policy disagreements that I can have with any president. I did cartoons on Reagan when he was president as well. The fundamental ideas, like these tariffs, the reason why our economy did so well when Trump took over was because Congress lifted $1.3 trillion of regulatory uh, burden off basic of businesses. That was not a very, uh, you know, that that was a very conservative thing to do. When you had started this trade war, and I'm opposed to China, and I think we ought to go out. But when you try to do it with tariffs, you added $900 billion worth of expenses on the back of American businesses. China didn't pay that. I mean, Xi is not elected. They just they just upped the amount of costs whatever products are in our supply chain. And if you notice, the Biden administration has continued those tariffs because it's antithetical to free market policies. These things are about not about personalities. They're about issues. And when we disagree, it doesn't matter who that person is. They're going to be on the receiving end of a cartoon.
0: So we've got a West Wing story cartoon movie poster for Biden, who is dancing and singing. Oh, I don't know that I want to sing this.
1: Jeff, free in America. No comes free in America. Everything is free in America. You can trust me in America. And I thought it was a perfect analogy because, frankly, all those things are lies, and yeah. they can make an entire musical of lies that this administration has told them.
0: So now we're moving to rivers. You've got the Dinosaur Museum and the Joe Biden exhibit in the next room. A <laughs> uh, whole bunch of <laughs> dinosaurs in this museum. Right, right. So it's very self-explanatory. It's a bit of a gag. <laughs> okay. Mexican scientists suggest more <laughs> testing be done to determine the age of the ancient alien artifact. This is an ancient alien, and Biden says, you want to do what with that probe? Uh I worry about these probes.
1: I wonder how much that artifact made, uh, being part of the Biden family, too. (laughs) $2,000 worth of Chinese stuff. So here you've got Biden in a pot on the
0: stove with a fork stuck in it and it says he's done. What how is he done?
3: So, so I consider this kind of a prophetic cartoon in a sense that a lot of liberals wouldn't would have uh, disagreed with me at the time but it seems to me that th- there is a lot of evidence implicating him that is beginning to kind of leak out bit by bit and by the time we get to 2024 I have a feeling that he may not even make it just simply because of what's out there so that's the cartoon that I did over about a year ago and I'm I'm pretty sure like I said that a lot of people would say it's a little preemptive but I, I think it's dead on
0: yeah I don't see any money trail leading to Biden yet this is in your bubble
3: well there's, a, there's definitely a lot of evidence showing that that there seems to be some some of his uh influence um if you want to call it that uh, within the family that money as as Michael alluded to before there seems to be uh, a huge amount of money that has come the bidens way that uh, we really don't know how that how that arrived what he did for it you know it seems that we are slowly as i said drip by drip, getting more and more uh, further on down the road to to seeing that he's not really the kind of guy that the Democrats should be, um, you know, putting all of their eggs in in his basket, so to speak. We can only dream.
1: You know, and and, uh, frankly, with that $20 million, that's a known quantity, Mm -hmm. $20 million, there are no no direct links to, to the president himself. But that certainly entails closer examination, I think.
0: So here you've got the evil-looking puppeteer's hand, and Marionette Biden says, they told me to tell you you're an insurrectionist if you see strings. So explain this to me. This, I think, is another bubble cartoon. Who is the puppeteer controlling Biden?
3: Well, that's the thing. I I don't think anybody really knows who the puppeteer is. I think there's been some, you know, talk that the it's is third term. Um, that it might be Obama, but he, Joe Biden is. Is this just
0: a, because you you feel so clearly Biden is demented that there must be somebody controlling him because otherwise how could he make rational choices?
3: Well, it seems, as I was saying, it, it seems to me that that he seems to have a lot of handlers, people that tell him what to do, and we don't know who those people are when it, when when. The Easter Bunny tells them, you know, go this way. Or when he they're telling me to answer questions from this journalist or that journalist. Well, I want to know who are they? Um, yeah, Those who,
2: are the handlers. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry Rivers that that's Daryl that's who Rivers is referring to the people when Joe Biden at the end of a press conference says well I'm going to get in trouble if I say anything else or they gave they gave me a list here of who I'm supposed to call on there's somebody behind him that has authority over him cuz he explicitly references some other entity that said I'm going to get in trouble if I do this to no, my ear speaking, that just sounds kind of crazy.
1: Well, frankly speaking, if he had the Easter bunny in his administration, he'd be one of the more competent members.
0: <laughs> okay, so here he's riding the giant banana Biden is, and he says, Hi oh, banana republic because that's because of course we're on uh fast track to becoming a banana republic with all of his poor decisions.
3: Well I, I you know, that that cartoon was drawn right after uh Trump was was indicted for about the the 30th thousandth time so um it was it's just one of those you know why why are they going after trump it seems that it's very convenient in terms of timing they seem to be weaponizing the justice system so that's where that and you
0: blame biden for that i i would see that as the system just operating without his having his hand on it
3: i'm not too sure that's accurate though daryl i think that there's been some reports that, that Biden's kind of been in contact with certain agencies. And I guess I should maybe review before I, I start talking. But I do recall a few months ago reading that there was some communication between uh, Biden and the different justice departments regarding, you know, going after Trump. So I'd have to look that up again and see where that was.
1: I think I think actually Biden has probably been laid off Uh, what's been going on because when the other team is being self-destructive you just want to stay out of it so here you have uh biden sniffing
0: the butt of a giant dog
3: i I went uh, there i went there
0: (laughs) and the dog says dude you have a problem remember i'm a dog and i'm telling you this (laughs) so he has a reputation for sniffing people and so he's sniffing
3: a dog is that the gag Yeah, that's exactly that, right? So, because, you know, you've seen him, you've probably been on social media and you see videos of him sniffing different people, one after another, children and and young women, and and of course... Kind of, uh, kind of creepy. He is a creepy sniffer. And here,
0: um, you know, we did a whole podcast on how you oppose aid to Ukraine, and this is a cartoon depicting that. You've got him as George Washington crossing the Delaware on the Ukraine boat, and one of the people in the boat says, "I thought he was an American president." They have the Ukraine flag. Um,
3: well, somebody pointed out that uh, you know he seems to be more concerned with the Ukraine border than he is with the American border and certainly a lot of tax dollars are, have, have ended up in the Ukraine so I suppose you could make an argument for that.
0: I thought this cartoon was great. You've got Biden as the musician sawing Uncle Sam in half and uh, Uncle Sam's limbs are are coming out of the box in a way that is funny and and Biden says, want to see how this ends? Tune in again in 2024 and see how I pull a rabbit out of one of Sam's orifices. That's a, a very funny cartoon. I like, how too, how when you cut Uncle Sam in half, his torso just has this big bone in the middle of it.
3: Right. Didn't want to get too graphic.
0: But... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Great looking cartoon.
3: That really is a wonderful cartoon.
0: Thank you. So here you have Biden's golfing behind a giant football player as a new uh, football season begins. Biden is looking a bit like Mr. Magoo, not knowing what he's doing about to swing his club into this giant football player. Is this a dementia cartoon?
3: A little bit, yeah. And then it was the start of the NFL, and I, I was kind of excited about that. So I decided to mix the metaphor a little bit.
1: Yeah. Works well, yeah, no, it works really well.
0: You know, big football player. Newspapers love big football players. Even of... when you mix them with dementia. <laughs> all right, here you got the the FBI, and they're pulling the cover off of all of the stinking garbage. The FBI guy says. When you joined the FBI, did you imagine having to spend a good part of your career covering up for the Bidens?
3: How is the FBI covering up for the Bidens? Okay, well, we can start with the um, the Hunter Biden laptop story that was covered up by the FBI. They seem to have known that the evidence was there, and they they did the, what we came out, what they came out with was fifty one agencies had reported that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation because they like to use the Russians. It's- kind of their go-to so that's where this cartoon came from is it, it seems to me that the, the fbi does spend a lot of time covering up for the bidens but uh you know that's because i live in a bubble and yeah, uh, here you
0: have the elephant on top of the biden corruption and evidence he thinks i'd do something if only i had more evidence and there's so much biden corruption evidence another bubble cartoon
3: mm-hmm, yeah well again you know i i see uh you know, as, as Michael alluded to earlier, again, that, that $20 million, uh, there's there's lot there if you're looking. Uh, the question is, does the media and, and does the Justice Department have the desire to actually go after these stories in the same vigor that they went after Trump?
0: This is interesting. You've got Uncle Sam digging through uh, at the edge of the cliff about to fall down from the cliff. And Biden says, keep digging. You'll eventually hit pay dirt. And then it's nothing but blue skies after that.
3: So it's a bit of a gag. Yeah, it's a bit of a gag. You know, it's the you know U.S. is kind of digging its way into deeper and deeper issues and troubles, uh, and uh, yeah, we're not going the right way. So, Gary, we're up to you. Yay! (laughs) I know we're
0: pushing up against your deadline. (laughs) Yeah, so So
2: especially since I don't like my drawing, and uh, I'm not the draftsman that Rivers and Mike are. So what I what I do is I try to make up. Or that by being a, a better citizen, and, uh, and uh,
0: <laughs> you're, you're a better citizen.
2: Yeah, <laughs> okay. a model partner to my community. Okay, so anyway, I hate this drawing, but let's go, sir. So you've got more...
0: uh, Biden at the desk, and two Secret Service guys are getting bit by his. his dog that famously bites and
2: he says sir never mind the border we'd like to request that a wall be built around commander just a gag cart- of course that's just that's kind of my my thing plus i try to keep in mind what you say daryl about the editors and now, i don't
0: want to be in the position of telling you to not have opinions i mean cartoons oh, no. should have opinions and we should be twisting the arms of editors to print opinions
2: i do i know and you know i wish i could you know Mike. Rivers hit the topic so hard, and I do in some of these cartoons, perhaps. But you know, when when you can cross reference two topical things going on at the same time, it's that's probably an easy go to for cartoonists. Sure. And, and you yeah. know
1: what? I think I think that uh, I think the cartoon hilariously brings up the context of the border wall and another event that's happening in the news at the same time. So he's, he's saying oh, yes. that uh, Biden has done nothing with the border wall. Could he at least board, build a border around? Commander, I think yeah. you know one thing I loved about Ronald Reagan was his sense of humor, and, and humor is a very, very, very powerful weapon to reach a much larger audience with your weapon, uh, with your, with your, uh, with your message. And I think one thing I love about Gary's cartoons, and I don't see them a lot, Gary, but when I do, mm-hmm. they always make me laugh out loud. I said we want to be the catalyst for thought. We want to bring certain issues that I think very, very important issues to our society to the viewer's attention. And uh, you know, Gary does it very well with his with his sense of humor. And I, I actually like your drawings, Gary. I think they're wonderful,
0: Thanks, creative. I like your drawings too, Gary. I, I agree. So you've got uh, Biden with his feet glued to the floor and uh, his advisor is saying, sir, it's what environmental protesters do, but gluing your feet to the floor isn't the best way to hold on to <laughs> office.
2: Obviously, I'm just like, again, cross-referencing things that were topical. And uh, I think this is, was around the time when the uh, the Burning Man thing was going on out in the desert and all those people were blocking, people wanting to get through and uh, so. People just got so so fed up, they just started dragging them off the road, and it's kind of what I would imagine me doing also.
1: Frankly, it may be the only way that Biden holds on to office.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, he's holding on to other things here, and uh, she says, hands off my uh, expletive, and uh, the Secret Service guys say he's not just a
2: gun grabber. Uh, Sometimes I wish I wasn't Joe Biden. (laughs) Because you can get away with grabbing? (laughs) Although, you know, my wife probably wouldn't be too thrilled about it, but—
0: yeah. Okay, you've got the military before Biden. The drill sergeant says, drop and give me 20. And after, drop and give me the name if it didn't see any princess or a preferred pronoun. <laughs> All right. Uh, here you've got Biden talking to the kid who's thinking Ku Klux Klan hood. Uh, and uh, Biden says, don't worry if you can't get into Harvard because of the Supreme Court ruling against affirmative action. I'll give you a job holding
2: a lantern in my front yard. So is that funny just because you're calling him a bigot? That to me it's not so much funny as just pointing out Biden's, you know, veil He has had some gaffes
0: that got him you. into some trouble.
2: Yeah. And you told me subsequent to this cartoon, Daryl, about how clans you know, clans goods, you know, won't make it into uh paper so this one probably never ran i guess
0: well there's always somebody to print anything but clan hoods are like uh swastikas editors don't like them and the cartoons just don't get picked up
2: yeah and biden just had another recent gaffe i forget who it was uh, i don't know if i've been lj l cool j jl but uh when he said you know this boy and the guy's like 50 something years old one of his you know reoccurring kind of Racial faux pas that uh, that doesn't really get much uh, much media attention.
3: So,
1: Daryl, I do, think do you have like a. Do you release a list of metaphors that your cartoonists shouldn't use? Like, Santa I don't of, want to tell the cartoonists what they should or shouldn't
0: I'm, of uh, course, I, do, I, but I do I, tell I'm them what kidding. gets printed and doesn't get printed. I send the cartoonists pretty much weekly uh, all the cartoon the top ten cartoons that were reprinted that week that editors chose. And the top ten cartoons from us tend to be equal in the amount of papers that print them to all the rest of the cartoons, like another so hundred cartoons.
1: I guess my my next question would be: Do you guys listen to what Daryl says? Now you don't have to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can I can tell yeah. you, that I don't
2: get much too much people listening to that. But <laughs> I'm sorry, um, what were you saying? Well, I I know I I've changed. I mean, since you sent those emails out, Daryl, I I have changed somewhat in what i submit because you know i don't want to just submit a ton of stuff that's never going to get picked up so and, and there again, is I,
0: a part of being an effective cartoonist is getting people to see your cartoons absolutely and mm-hmm. uh, if you could if you could make a compromise like saying well i don't really need blood in this cartoon it does the same thing without blood and then get it printed by twice as many places that's not a bad compromise to make
1: Um, Although I you know, I I do agree with that. I mean I I don't do controversial cartoons for the sake of controversy just like I I do to uh, humorous cartoon just for the sake of humor. And there are certain subjects that you just don't want to do because the controversy surrounding the placement within the cartoon will overshadow the point you're trying to make because obviously we're trying to make a point.
0: But uh, One problem I, that we have is anti-Semitic cartoons, particularly from around the world. And I've tried to lay down some rules for the international cartoonists to follow to make their cartoons not anti-Semitic. And I do kill the anti-Semitic cartoons. Um, There are some basic rules that I think are helpful, just as you wouldn't draw sexually explicit things in an editorial cartoon and expect it to be printed. Likewise, some of these things that are natural, go-to kind of things that pop into artists' minds, like drawing Israelis as Nazis, persecuting the Palestinians in Gaza Auschwitz, uh, we don't accept that. And we need to explain to the cartoonists that, uh, and you know, there's a range of those things, from slight to uh, heavy, and cartoonists should know that some things cross the line, and some things are inappropriate, and some things we'll tolerate, but they simply mean your cartoon's not going to get printed, and that's another way of being an ineffective cartoonist.
1: You know, I'm a big believer in freedom of speech, that people can say and do anything. That does not give you the freedom to be insulated from the consequences of what you do. Right, (laughs) yes. I'm sure that uh, that Gary and Rivers are like me. We think about our audience and how how the uh, the cartoon is going to be read out there by our readership. And, uh, you know, I don't want to offend anybody just to make a point. The point is the most important thing. I, mean, I always think of political cartoons like a Super Bowl ad. you got five seconds to, to catch their attention, five seconds to make the pitch. But instead of selling a product or selling ideas, if you offend their sensibilities with something that really doesn't have much to do with the content of your weight, then you lose the opportunity to make the sale good point. And uh, you can judge how much you want to offend. I recall
0: uh, one of your cartoons when you were on our kagle.com site. You drew a dead fetus in an electric chair, and we got more angry mail for that than I think any cartoon we've ever had on kagle.com. People were just outraged. But uh, you know, we we ran it and I'm not sure that you would have been disappointed with the outrage.
1: Well, I, I don't I don't re- recall that cartoon. I've been picketed by everybody sometimes at the same time. <laughs> I managed to offend everybody at some time. But, you know, it's sort of like why I would never use Muhammad in a cartoon. Because the controversy surrounding the image would overshadow any point that I'm right. So I have a tendency to try to sidestep this. But I'm not afraid to uh, like the fist bump cartoon, like the cartoon that I just did on Hamas with the bloody teddy bear. Sometimes you have to, to get right up to the edge of the limit to make a powerful point. I think that's worth it.
0: Well, if you're going to draw something that's going to be very offensive to a minority of readers, I think it's worth thinking about what's the value of being offensive and can I say this in another way?
1: Right. And and let let me say that I'm not trying to be offensive. Maybe shocking to some people, but but, uh, you know, politics is an emo- emotional thing. You know, when people write me hate mail and stuff, I like it. They like the medals that you get in a battle. But you're not doing it to offend people. You're trying to convince them. And you're. Not, I'm not drawing offensive cartoons. I'm drawing powerful cartoons sometimes.
0: Well, sometimes there said, are cartoons that are drawn to be offensive to show that they can do it. Yeah,
1: uh, I, I would discourage that. Got to wrap it up, up Daryl.
0: You know, okay, I guess we're, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, any last comments, gentlemen?
2: I just want to say uh, I had a great time. It, it's fascinating listening to these guys talk and kind of analyze stuff. And uh, you, you
0: guys were all very uh, civilized, and we didn't have much argument. Well bring a liberal, another liberal on yeah. time,
1: Daryl. Well,
3: uh, I, I'm a. Know, big, i am was just going to say I'm a big fan of both these guys, and so there's a lot of respect there, and and uh, I really appreciate Michael coming on. Today because, uh, of course, he's outside of the Kegel uh, group, but uh, just an awesome cartoonist, and it's been great to to hear from you today, and you're very articulate. And, of course, Gary and I are friends from way back, and it's always good to see my friend Gary.
2: And same with Mike. Mike and I going well, way back, and it's a yeah, mutual love thing here.
3: The McCoy brothers
1: are, are almost part of my extended family, it's, I think. look forward to seeing you without mask at some point. <laughs> you know i've I've come from a place in the political spectrum i am probably to the right of both of you although i'm the guy who will go after every you can vehemently disagree with the politics behind a cartoon and still love the cartoon or the cartoonist you know i i don't like to uh i don't like to tear down other people's work but i i would like to say that politics is a personal thing, and everybody uh should be emotional about about how they feel and and uh just because i don't agree with what's behind the cartoon um it doesn't mean that the cartoon is not comprehensible or not a, a powerful vehicle to make a point of view and you know I, I i like uh both these guys are fabulous cartoonists i'm honored to be on this i
0: it's, really appreciate I, your coming on and uh i'm gonna get two podcasts out of this so uh uh thank you gentlemen
2: okay i gotta run Love all you guys and uh see y'all soon.
0: Okay, very good. Well, let me say that everyone should remember to subscribe to the Kegelcast. Wherever you're watching or listening today, please subscribe. Our Kegelcast is available in both video and audio versions, so if you don't see the cartoons, go to com or Apple Podcasts or YouTube or Spotify to see the video podcast rather than just the sound. And I I kind of like Pod Cruncher. That's my favorite one. But we're on all the platforms, and thank you for being here. And, Michael, I'm delighted that you came today.
1: Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks right, a lot. We'll talk soon. To you. Bye.